1: and by giving Christ life in the resurrection that will never be withdrawn because it's an oath that will never be retracted. Christ has the power and the authority and the life to save you in your life. He has the ability to reach you in every circumstance of life, to overshadow your sorrow, to strengthen you in weakness, to give you a future in God.
2: That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Today's message is the conclusion to The Star Child. We started this message yesterday, but we're unable to complete it due to our time constraints. We will do so now. You can always go to reachingyourheart.com and listen in on-demand audio format or download a copy if you would like. Before we get started, we want you to know that we believe here at Reaching Your Heart that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us anytime during the broadcast. That telephone number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673.
1: God promised David that he would build a house for him, a royal line that would last forever. The focus of the promise comes to the city of Bethlehem, the line of David. In 2 Samuel 7.12, God said, to David, when your days are fulfilled and when you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come forth from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. No king of Judah was able to fully fit the description here. There were good kings and bad ones, but not an everlasting king that would never pass away. During the kingdom in Judah's darkest history, the prophet Isaiah pointed to another king who would come from the stump of Jesse. Jesse was King David's father. Now, when you cut a tree and you cut it off and you have a stump, is it possible that a new tree can develop from the stump? Yes or no? It is. There's life in the stump. It may look like the tree is dead, but life can sprout out. And Isaiah the prophet envisioned this, that when the monarchy would be cut off, God would make a sprout to come out and there would be new life for the line of David. Isaiah eleven one. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The future king is called a shoot from the stump of Jesse. The word shoot in Hebrew is the word natser. Why don't you say that after me? Natser. Jesus grew up in Nazareth, Nazareth, it's a word play off of the word shoot. It means the place of the shoot. So it's linking us back to Isaiah 11.1. 1. Now, the shoot here is also called a branch by the prophet Isaiah. He is a branch that grows out from the house of Jesse. Zechariah the prophet also prophesied after Isaiah of this coming branch. Turn to Zechariah 12 I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible at this time. Then they say to him, thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, a man whose name is Branch, for he will branch out from where he is and he will build the temple of the Lord. Yes, it is he who will build the temple of the Lord and he who will bear the honor and sit and rule on his throne. Thus, he will be a priest on his throne and the council of peace will be between the two offices. Zechariah predicted something that had never happened in the Old Testament. From the tribe of Judah, it was determined that kings would arise. From the tribe of Levi, it was determined that priests would arise. But it was illegal in ancient Israel to mix the line of the priest and the line of the king so that a king and a priest were the same person. There was a division of powers. When Isaiah went into the sanctuary to offer incense on the altar, he was a king. He was smitten with leprosy because he violated that principle. And so never in the history of the Old Testament had the office of the king and the office of the priest been one. And yet the Bible says the branch that's coming from the line of Jesse, the branch that would grow up and build the temple of God, he would be a king and a priest. What that means is he could not be a priest after the order of the Levitical priesthood. He would have to be a priest after a new kind of order. And that order is given in the book of Hebrews. Christ became a king priest after the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 6.19. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Now, how many of you people feel like you're kind of knocked around at times? You feel that way? I mean, come on. You get these pressures in life that kind of push you about. Has that happened to you? Well, it's happened to me. I've had a rough week this week. go, got through it, got to church, pray, be with God's people, good, safe place. I need an anchor for my soul. I need something that I can throw that anchor down and I'm not going to drift away. It will hold me where I need to be. Do you? Okay, now this verse is relevant to us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. I mean, friends, Christ is not some whimsical presence in your life. That communicates no strength to you. If you throw your lot with him, you are going to be safe at the time of the end. I don't care what sin you struggle with. I don't care what fault of character you possess. If you latch onto Christ with Velcro kind of faith, you have an anchor and you will be saved in God's plan. It's just a fact. So we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner shrine behind the curtain In other words, right into the presence of God inside the most holy place where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become what? What does it say? A high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek's name means king of righteousness, and he was king of Salem. There is no genealogy that is directly connected with the name Melchizedek. So he appears to be an eternal being with no beginning and no end. He is king of Salem. Salem in Hebrew is shalom, which means peace. So he's king of peace. He's a type of the coming Christ. The order of Melchizedek is an everlasting priesthood and kingdom. Hebrews 7.21 Those who formerly became priests took their office without an oath. But this one was addressed with an oath. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. Thou art a priest forever. Now it's quoting here Psalms 110. In Psalms 110, the oath is made. In the context, there is resurrection imagery. In Hebrews 7, it says that Christ received his right to be a priest after the order of Melchizedek by an oath that could not be withdrawn by the power of an indestructible life. Friend, do you realize that Nothing in the universe can destroy the life that is in the resurrected Son of God. Nothing. And and by giving Christ life in the resurrection that will never be withdrawn because it's an oath that will never be retracted, Christ has the power and the authority and the life to save you in your life. He has the ability to reach you in every circumstance of life, to overshadow your sorrow, to strengthen you in weakness, to give you a future in God. I mean, I need my Melchizedek king priest today. Do you? Okay, now why do we need him? Look at Hebrews 7.25. Here's the bottom line outcome of this reality. Consequently, he is able. Now that, that statement is written to people who are weak. Consequently, he is able for all time to save those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Well, this week you may have whined a little bit. You may have said, well, I feel so lonely and lost. I did a little of that actually. I know you do too. And the fact is, no matter how you're feeling because of what you're dealing with that's out of your control, the fact is, that Christ was praying for you every single moment of your struggle, that he brings to bear the power of an indestructible life given to him in the resurrection, that an omniscient, omnipotent mind is applied to your weakness and struggle. And friends, you cannot be lost if you have faith in Christ as your Savior. You cannot be lost. And so our faith must lay hold of that sure and sound anchor in life. God has given us a king-priest. Bethlehem would be the city where the star, the new king, would be born. As the bright and morning star, Jesus' existence precedes the dawn of time. I mean, have you ever gone out at night and watched the morning star? It's before the sunrise. Am I right? Okay. Before the dawn is the star. The dawn of time is the metaphor for the beginning. From east to west, the sun moves. The east is the Hebrew word chedem. It describes the ancient past. The west describes the future. God called Abram from the east to the west, from the past into the future. The book of Hebrews says he was looking for a city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And so Bethlehem was that juncture, that point where the bright and morning star from the east would step into time itself. Hebrews 1, 2 indicates that Jesus created the ages. Now, some people say, you know, I'm a scientific kind of person. The Bible not really a scientific kind of book. Therefore, I don't, you know, I don't treat it as science. You ever hear someone say that kind of stuff? That is utter foolishness. I have studied the Bible long enough to know that every Bible book is constructed chiastically. Chiastically to where it has ascending chiasms and descending chiasms that represent mathematical fractals in the Word of God. And the genius that's necessary to write the Gospel of John, that's necessary to write the book of Revelation, is beyond Einstein and Newton's abilities, mathematically speaking. And these discoveries have now been transcribed. It's just a fact. But friend... More profoundly than this, we find in the Bible insights as to how the universe began. In Hebrews 1, 2, the Bible says unapologetically that Christ created the world in the English language. But it doesn't say that in Greek. It says he created the aeons. And we get our word eon from it. It means time ages. According to the writer of Hebrews, Christ created Einstein's fourth dimension of time. Before there was a was, there was Christ who made the fabric of what is and what will be. Before time itself dawned, he was the bright and morning star that preceded time. He is the architect of the universe in the sense that he made all that is, his father's power working through him to carve out a fabric of time and space whereby worlds could come into existence and we could find God and God could find us and there would be a holy habitation for God known as the universe. There is science in the Bible and at the heart of the wisdom of God in the Bible, the deepest of all truth science or not is jesus christ and if you don't have jesus you don't really have anything going on for you before there was and is a was and what will be there was jesus the bright and morning star before time itself was made jesus was the one who was is and is coming the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end according to the book of hebrews jesus christ created einstein's fourth dimension of time In the Bible, the metaphor for eternity in the past is the direction of the east. Christ came from the east. Look at Micah 5, verse 2. Amazing passage. But you, O Bethlehem of Frotha, who are little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from, what does the text say? From of old. The Hebrew literally reads from the east, mechedum. In fact, it's the same exact expression you find in Genesis 2 when it says Eden was from the east, mechedum. It's from of old, from the east. And then it says from ancient of days. The Hebrew says from days of eternity. Christ came from the east. Beyond the rising of the sun is the direction of the east. Beyond the dawn of time is the distant east. Christ was there with the Father from eternity. And he came into this world. Why did Jesus come? That's the more important question, not how, not the mathematics or science of it, but why, the meaning of it, why did he come? Why did eternity step into Bethlehem's manger at Christmas?
2: More with Pastor Michael Tenko in just a moment. Studying the Bible is vital to our lives, and we would like to help you in that process by providing you free Bible study guides. These full-color Bible study guides are available for you right now if you dial this telephone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Don't miss your opportunity right now to call and get a copy of these free Bible study guides. Call right now. That's 888-244-4673. Now more with Pastor Michael Tenko.
1: And Christ was born after the time of the kings had passed. And there was only a stump left of the line of Jesse. Joseph, son of Jacob, the one who adopted Jesus in Matthew, was the stump from the line of Jesse. And the stump was a carpenter and not a king. Joseph's job was to whittle on stumps. And so he was a stump. There was nothing more to him. He was just a woodcarver. Can anything come after this? Christ came to the line of David when the line of David was nothing to brag about. In the Gospel of Matthew, there were 42 generations from Abraham to Jesus, all the way down the sacred line. In Numbers 33, there were 42 encampments in the wilderness from Egypt to the promised land. The whole line of Abraham and David is like a wilderness wandering. There's no promised land. In the Old Testament, God raised up Joshua after Moses to take his people to the promised land. Christ's name, Jesus, in Greek is the Greek name for Joshua. He is the new Joshua at the end of the number 42 to take God's people out of the wilderness. So why did the star child become the new Joshua in the New Testament? Why did the star child condescend to become one of us with all our family problems, with all our hang-ups, with all our needs for grace. Matthew one twenty and 21. The angel is speaking to Joseph, the stump. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus for He will save His people from their sins. Friend, Christ came into this world to save you. He came to save you and your spouse. He came to save you and your children. Christ is in the business of taking you to the realm of light. And the angel put it very simply, He will save His people from their sins. Dr. Susan Schneider from the University of Connecticut says, that the first intelligent beings we find might not be biological at all. I mean, this whole SETI research program trying to find extraterrestrial life, they're trying to figure out what form it will come in. And she's saying, well, it may not even be a biological life form as we understand it. She says that aliens may have advanced so far that they may have uploaded their consciousness into machines. The star people could, in fact, be computer programs and machine heads smiling back at you. That's the life we may find out there, she said. She calls this kind of star child a post-biological being. Friend, Jesus is not a post-biological being who doesn't care about you, who can't identify with you. Christ is the star child who became a biological human being, a real child, so He is our real brother for all time and eternity. Friend, Jesus didn't come to this earth to impress good people with His outward beauty and form. He didn't come to mimic the stars that we find on the silver screen. He didn't come to act smart. He came in a humble way with the wisdom of God. He is smart. And Jesus came to this world to die for his people as one of them. Full identification with the human race. Let's make it more personal. Full identification with you. I mean, he has identified so deeply with you, he knows you. He loves you no matter what you have done in life. He loves you. He wants to save you. The angel put it plainly. He will save his people from their sins. Perhaps the most important question you can ask this morning is this. Have you been baptized so that you have become one of his people? Has your heart been strangely warmed, converted? You know, not fake religion kind of stuff, but really converted so that you have become one of his people. And have you claimed by faith a righteousness you cannot acquire of your own and you cannot achieve that is good enough for the judgment day outside of you, his righteousness. You can follow all kinds of stars on TV. You can follow them in the educational field. You can follow them in politics. But are you afraid to follow the Christmas star that really matters? The angel said he will save his people from their sins. The wise men got it right that first Christmas. They were wise. Like Abraham, they left the land of magic, astrology, and science. Now, I I believe in science. The modern scientific revolutions are the product of faith. In fact, it could be argued that you could face really the birth of modern science back to Sir Isaac Newton. Are you aware of that? He was the guy that more than any other mapped out the principles of investigation for nature that gave us the great breakthroughs that brought us from the Middle Ages enlightenment into the modern scientific era. Sir Isaac Newton was a committed Christian, he studied the Bible. He studied the prophecies more so than he did science. And yet somehow these people who have written modern histories have stripped him of the facts of his life. And if you go to the newtonproject.org, I think that's what it's called. You can actually go online and you can read his prophetic writings and other materials that he wrote extensively on Christ, his faith in the Lord, his understanding of the Bible. He didn't get to be great on his own. God gave him this greatness. Now, many people can remember Michael Faraday. You know who Michael Faraday was? Who created electromagnetism. The great discovery is electromagnetism. Later, these principles were put into mathematical formulations by Maxwell. Maxwell's equations. Uh, Faraday had basic math ability, algebra. But he prayed. He says, God, give me insight. Help me to understand the universe. And he was able through intuition and visualization to understand flowing fields of electricity and then to visualize how they map out. And we have electric motors today. We have the modern world today in large extent because a godly Christian got on his knees and asked God to give him light. Friend, we live in a world that we owe to men and women to a large degree, who love the Lord Jesus Christ, who discover the secret things of God. So the Bible is not anti-science. What I'm saying is when you rely on science or anything of the intellect without relying on God like Newton did and like Faraday did, you're bound to come full circle and just rely on yourself And in the end, you aren't that smart and you aren't that good at getting to the deep things of God. So give up on you and give in to the Lord Jesus and let God do miracles in your life. We need a generation of thinkers in this church who thank the thoughts of God, who allow the scriptures to affect them in every field of learning, to become wise men and women of God, So the wise men got it right that Christmas. They left the worldview behind them that didn't work, and they started moving out. E.T. with a heart was on the march that first Christmas, and they were looking for him, the star child. They wanted the truth, not a truth. They wanted to make contact with one who had bridged the gulf between God and man. And they wanted to go interstellar right there on earth by finding the bright and morning star. And so that first Christmas, they were headed toward Bethlehem, just like Ruth had in the past looking for the star child who is the bread of life. They were looking for real bread in the house of bread, not the stuff they had in Babylon. And they were looking for the light of the world in the city of the star that would crush Moab, the city of David. The wise men from the east were looking for the wise one in the west. And as kings from the east, they were looking for the true king who is the king and priest Melchizedek, the true king priest. And they were looking for that special star who had the power and the authority from God to make them into his people, to give them light so he could save all his people. And that meant them from their sins too. A star is a hero that is often worshipped. If you follow a star, you're bound to worship a star. And they were looking for a different kind of star that first Christmas. Are you, is my question. Are you seeking the star child? Or have you given up in the search for stuff that doesn't matter? Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for your people in this place. Father, we're better off with each other than we are on our own. We're better off in the house of bread than we are looking for stuff in secular humanist trash cans, Lord, that cannot give us life. We're better off with Jesus than any other kind of star out there. Far better off. May you bless your people, Lord. May in humility and faith they all be saved because we have a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. And Father, may the light of Bethlehem, the star child, the one who is fully human and fully God, may he lead us to the promised land as you have given him the task to do. And may we follow without griping about it, and really this Christmas, really give our hearts to him. Bless your people in this way. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Well, that will conclude The Star Child. Again, the name of today's broadcast was The Star Child. If you'd like to listen to the entire message without interruption, go ahead to reachingyourheart.com. Once again, that website is reachingyourheart.com. We'd love for you to go there and visit now. You'll find an opportunity to listen to this message again, as well as many other messages archived there for you. That's reachingyourheart.com. If you call us right now, we have a free gift for you entitled Soul Care. It's a short 64-page volume all about becoming a whole in a broken world through a personal relationship with God. If you call right now, we have that book for you. Here's that telephone number, 888-244-4673, 888-244-HOPE. If you've been inspired by this message and want to partner with us to further spread these messages and keep us broadcasting on the air, then we welcome your partnership. And you can give a donation of any amount. We thank you for your support. Once again, that telephone number is 888-244-4673. Thanks for listening today. We hope you'll join us again next time for another Reaching Your Heart.